Good morning, God's wonderful people. I pray that everyone is well today and is having a wonderful Sabbath day. Before we begin, I would like to have prayer. Heavenly Father, this morning, we thank you for Jesus, who is our friend. He's our best friend, and he's our friend forever. And we need to make a friend of Jesus first before any others. And we know that as we continue to make friends, that they will be friends that are made in heaven. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. From this morning's uh, Bible text, and I want to thank you. Who do I thank for that text again? Jedediah. Jedediah. Thank you, Jedediah. Well done. About friendships that are made in heaven. And our story and my message today is on two young men who made friendships in heaven before they made friendships anywhere else, because that is what we need to do, and this is what we ought to do. If you're following along in the Bible, um, the texts are found in the New International Version, and we're starting with the last uh, verse of First Samuel chapter 13. And as you can see in the picture graphics, there's Jesus. And you know, he sits with all of us if we just have faith. He sits with us and he's being our friend. That's fine. I changed it. That's fine. This is kind of a preview of my message today. You see, you see Jonathan in his armor bearer. And we find the story, and it begins in 1 Samuel 13, 23. And you can read along in the Bible or the text that's on the screen. Now a detachment of Philistines had gone out to the pass at Michmash. One day Jonathan, who was the son of King Saul, said to the young man, bearing his armor, come, let's go over to the Philistine outpost on the other side. But he did not tell his father. A little background about Jonathan. I believe Jonathan made friends with God before others. And although he respected Saul, he realized that Saul was not a good example so he chose Jesus to be his example. And I believe that Jonathan had a lot of faith in God. He had faith that, that God would be his protector. And Jonathan grew up in the palace of King Saul, and he learned to be a soldier, a warrior. And if you read the story of Jonathan and Saul, but my message is on Jonathan today because we're looking at the friendship that Jonathan made 
You know, they did not have weapons in Israel's army. They had to go and, of all things, have the Philistines sharpen all of their weapons, which were uh, homemade spears, or I don't know what exactly a plowshare is, but there were only two swords. And you can guess who had those swords, King Saul and Jonathan. Jonathan was very skilled, and he made sure to bring his armor, his shield, and that's why he had an armor bearer. And in some cases, the armor bearer had everything, even the sword. And the armor bearer went wherever he went. This doesn't show really a lot about where Jonathan and the armor bearer were. And so the next one that I show, I'll show you the exact location. So Jonathan did not tell his father, Saul. And you know why? I'll tell you why. Israel had an army of about 3,000 men. Saul had 2,000. Jonathan had 1,000. He didn't even get the same amount as his father. And when they found out how many Philistines they were going to do battle with, the Bible says that there were many charioteers. There were many of, I guess, those that rode on the horseback. And then there were the infantry that was too numerous to count, as many as the sand on the seashore. And this terrified the army. It terrified Saul, but not Jonathan. Jonathan is a very good example to us. And he made God friend, and I'm not sure how friendly or how much he followed his father's advice. Let's see. That's what I want to show. This is the pass. As you can see, it's quite rocky and steep. But Jonathan knew that with God's help, he could trick the Philistines. He could trick the Philistines. And we're reading in uh, verse 4 of Samuel 14. On each side of that pass, Jonathan intended to cross to reach the Philistine outpost, which was a cliff. One was called Boses, the other Senna. Jonathan said to his young armor bearer, Come, let us go over to the outpost of those uncircumcised fellows, and perhaps the Lord will act in our behalf. And he says, Nothing can hinder the Lord from saving, whether by many or by few. And with God on your side, both sides, be before you, behind you, above you. Doesn't matter how many you are. It can be few or many. And there are other stories in the Bible how only a few came into battle. I think of Gideon. He's a good example. They didn't take the whole army. It was just Gideon. And I encourage you all to study that, that story because they too had faith. Does this past look like Anything any one of us could actually do as Jonathan and his armor bearer did? 
I believe that they had to go down one side and then up the other side. And the verses in the Bible tell us that they had to do rock climbing. I'm telling you, when I see rock climbing, I think of El Capitan at the Yosemite, that kind of rock climbing. That looks very difficult, but doesn't that look pretty difficult? I don't think, just from looking at it, you can tell if those rocks would stay firm or slide, and if you're climbing up, you're gonna slide down. You're gonna slide down. So keep that picture in your mind and we'll go on. And verse 7 says, Do all that you have in mind, his armor bearer said. Go ahead, I'm with you heart and soul. You think that armor bearer became friends of Jonathan? I hope so. I hope so it was a two-way street because if not, he shouldn't have been the armor bearer or the bodyguard for Jonathan. But it says, I'm with you all of my heart and soul. You've heard that before, heart and soul. You know, we're told that we must love God with all of our hearts and our souls, all of our might and all of our strength. Verse 11. Isn't that right? Verse 11. Yeah. Both of them showed themselves to the Philistine outpost. Look, said the Philistines, the Hebrews are crawling out of the holes that they were hiding in. I don't think Jonathan was hiding. The rest of the army was hiding, but not Jonathan. The men of the outpost shouted to Jonathan and his armor bearer, come on up to us and we'll teach you a lesson. And Jonathan said to his armor bearer, climb up after me. The Lord has given them into our hands, into the hand of Israel. See, this is something I believe Jonathan prayed about and it was a sign that God said, go on up there and you'll have victory. Now that could not have been easy. Jonathan climbing this side of a cliff, rock climbing. And thirteen and fourteen. We'll see what happens. Jonathan climbed up using his hands and his feet, with his armor bearer right behind him. The Philistines fell before Jonathan. That means Jonathan had his sword or his spear and he was doing what the Lord had asked and told him to do. The Philistines wanted to kill Israel, big time. And it says that his armor bearer followed and he killed all of those that went around behind them. They thought that they would surround him, but it didn't work. And in that first attack, Jonathan and his armor bearer killed some 20 men in an area of about one half an acre. 20 men. These men were armed. Sure, they must have had swords and spears and 
armor and shields and everything. You know, Jonathan's strength was in the Lord. And their opponent, the Philistines, their strength was not in the Lord. The lesson that we can learn from Jonathan and his friendship with God is that with God all things are possible. And the friendships that Jonathan made were friendships that were made in heaven. Going on with our story, we'll leave Jonathan for the time being. In 1 Samuel 16, 16 and verse 1, or verse 7. God came to Samuel. And he told Samuel, it's time to anoint a new king. And Samuel goes, well, we have a king, Saul. Samuel could not understand what God wanted him to do. But because of Saul's disobedience, he would lose the kingdom. Although he'd have it for four decades, his son Jonathan would not be anointed and he would not be the king. 1 Samuel 16, 7 tells us that Samuel was instructed. It says, do not, well, he was instructed to go see Jesse who had eight sons when he got there, seven of them, all strong, all tall, and each one, one by one, handsome, okay? And three of them, I know, they were in the army of Saul. So verse says, the Lord, seven says, Lord said to Samuel, do not consider this son's appearance or that one's or their height, for I have rejected him which means each one, I reject him and him and him and him. Samuel did not question the Lord except that, well, here they are, all seven of them lined up, all of Jesse's sons, and he's rejecting all of them. And Samuel thought, you have one more son, Jesse? And yes, he found out that there was a shepherd boy that was out tending his flocks, the father, Jesse's flocks. I want to say something about David when he was tending the flocks. He had his harp. And I think, I bet David could play the harp. And the music was so beautiful. How many of you enjoy the harp? I love the harp. In fact, that's my favorite background music when I'm having dinner. It's beautiful, isn't it? And the sheep enjoyed it. And David wrote many of his psalms. And a psalm is a song. The songs of David. Songs of David. When David was out tending the flock, the sheep, you know that Jesus is called our shepherd. And we are the flock. So here's David. And he's made his first friendship. I don't think it was with Jesse, his father, or his brothers. It was with God, his friendship is made in heaven, and his trust. Young David was faithful as well. 
So they sent for David, and he came, and Samuel was told by God in verse, this is a different chapter, but verse 13, or chapter 13, verse 14, the Lord has sought a man after his own heart to appoint him leader and king of his people of Israel. What was it that God called David? A man after his own heart. You know, in, in order for that to be so, David had to be friends with God. You're not going to be a man after God's own heart if you're not his friend and you don't have faith in him and you don't follow him. And in verse, chapter 16, verse 13, we find Samuel took the horn of oil. I think that's something he took with him all the time. And so do shepherds, by the way. <coughs> shepherds have a horn of oil so that they can anoint the sheep because the sheep, they have bugs in their ears, bugs in their nose, bugs in their mouth, and the oil protects them because the insects don't like this oil. But oil is also a symbol. Tell me what oil is a symbol for. Who is the symbol for? The Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit. He was anointed with oil, which is the Holy Spirit. And so he anointed David in the presence of his brothers. And I'm sure that anyone else that was there, his father Jesse, and from that day on, the Spirit of the Lord came upon David in power. Came upon David in power. This is where David got his power. And he got a lot of power. Let's take a look at a, the actual anointing. There it is. And who are they doing in front of? All of his brothers. All of his brothers. They're all standing there. And, you know, I thought, what are all the sheep doing there? Let me tell you. They don't go anywhere unless they go with the shepherd. And here's the shepherd being anointed on his knees. And being blessed by the Holy Spirit. And Samuel, the priest that was praying for him. And at that moment... There was a sanctification. David would be the new king, but not quite yet. Not quite yet. See, that's that's right. First Samuel sixteen twenty one tells us. David came to serve Saul, entering his service, and Saul liked him very much, and David became one of Saul's armor bearers. You know, if you're the king's armor bearer, you're his bodyguard. Later we find out that David, he had a fighting army of about 300, and they were called his mighty men of battle. 
It's very interesting about David, and that is that he was successful 100% of the time. He had victory after victory after victory. So he was the armor bearer for the king. And then Saul sent word to Jesse saying, allow David to remain in my service for I am pleased with him. Wherever the spirit from God came, whenever the spirit from God came upon Saul, David would take out his harp and play and then relief would come to Saul and Saul would feel better and the evil spirit would leave him. I think that David was called into the palace of King Saul to be a witness to him, and God was showing favor to David. He was showing him favor. Now, you might ask, what about his sheep in the pasture? Saul allowed him to go from one to the other. He was in there, out there in the pasture as the shepherd, and then he was in there playing the music back and forth. And of course, if he was needed in the palace, the king's palace, he would he'd come back. And for the most part, it pleased Saul very much. Let's take a look at David playing the harp. It looks like he's wearing funny clothes, but you know, I don't know what a shepherd boy would wear. Would he wear a robe? Might have been a robe that the king gave him to wear when he was there playing the harp. Yeah, who does? The king? Yeah. You know, if I had a headache and I was lying down trying to be quiet and maybe the lights dimmed and somebody played the harp for me, I think it would take my headache away. I think it would. Just shut your eyes and listen. Listen to the harp. Make sure it's the right one. Yep, that's the right one. <coughs> and follow along with me with these texts. First Samuel 17 and... Verse 4, we move on that shows David's faith. Now, it just so happened he was out in the fields when Israel and the Philistines were meeting in the valley of Elah to do battle. But David wasn't there because he was tending his sheep. But Jesse said, you know, I want you to take provisions, food and water to your three older brothers. And when he got there, his brother said, what are you doing here? You're not a soldier. You're not a warrior. What are you doing here? And it, it did not make David very happy. In fact, let me see if I'm jumping ahead of myself. Uh, not yet. David had his own say. He had, he had something to say, and his, his brother shut him up. 
And he said, don't you know I have something to say here? And he'd heard about what was going on. There was a reason Israel did not proceed to battle. There was a giant named Goliath. It says that there was a champion named Goliath. He came out of the Philistine camp. He was over nine feet tall. That's pretty tall. I think one of the tallest basketball players I ever heard was like almost eight feet, not quite eight feet tall. You know how tall nine feet or how high that is? It's one foot from the rim on a basketball uh, rim or basket. That's tall. You know, I was looking up at my ceiling and I was reaching up and I say, he'd be touching the my ceiling, I think. Nine feet tall. I know some ceilings are lower, some are higher. A champion named Goliath, who was from Gath, came out of the Philistine camp, and he was over nine feet tall. He had a bronze helmet on his head, and he wore a coat of scale armor of bronze, and it weighed 500 shekels. 5,000, okay, 5,000. You know how heavy that is? That's what it says, doesn't it? Yeah, that's what it says. Okay. 125 pounds is armor. Let me tell you, if I put that armor on, I probably would just fall down. It wouldn't fit either. <laughs> on his legs, he wore bronze greaves, and a bronze javelin was slung onto his back. His spear was like a weaver's rod, and his iron... Uh, its iron-pointed point weighed 600 shekels. Does it say how heavy that is? 15 pounds. Well, that's, that is, that's pretty heavy. And there was a shield bearer that went ahead of him. Doesn't say how, how much that shield weighed. I know I couldn't lift it up. I couldn't hold it. Now, Goliath had been coming out in front of his army, the Philistines, for 40 days. And he challenged somebody come out of the, the Israel uh, camp to fight me. And whoever is vic has victory in this fight will be the victor for the battle. And the battle be, will be yours. Not even Saul came out. They looked at Goliath and they said, not one of us can take this guy on. There is no way. It says the Philistines said, This day I defy the ranks of Israel. Give me a man and let us fight each other. And on hearing the Philistines' words, Saul and all of Israel were dismayed and here again terrified. Why was Saul terrified? Because he didn't believe that God would protect him. Well, that's true.
where are we now? This, this print is so small, I'm trying to find it here. Um, okay, 10, okay. Uh, 10 and 11. Okay, they were terrified. Okay, go to 37. Here we go. <clears throat> David said he could be of some help, but Saul and his brothers and everyone else said, there's no way you can help here, not at all. And David replied, the Lord who delivers me delivered me from the paw of the lion and the paw of the bear will deliver me from the hand of this Philistine. He was pretty sure of himself, wasn't he? Saul said to David, go and the Lord will be with you. Saul dressed David in his own tunic, he put a coat of armor on him and a bronze helmet on his head. And David fastened on his sword over the tunic and tried walking around because he was not used to them. How could David walk around in Saul's armor? I cannot go in these, he said to Saul, because I am not used to them. So he took everything off. What's David gonna do? You know the story. He walks over to a riverbed and picks up five smooth stones. He puts them in his shepherd's bag and he got his sling out and he actually ran towards Goliath. Now this is very interesting, what he says to Goliath. And if you want to read along with me, I think it stops there with verse 39. Does uh, No, it doesn't. No, it doesn't. Let's see. Now this is the... This is what Goliath said when David came out. What verse did I choose for that? Okay. He's looking at David and he says, am I a dog that you come at me with sticks? And the Philistine cursed David by, by his gods. Why don't you come over here and I'll give your flesh to the birds of the air and the beasts of the field. And David said this to the Philistine giant. You come against me with sword and spear and javelin, but I come against you in the name of the Lord God Almighty. He knew that God would fight this battle for him. Amen. You have defied God. And this day the Lord will hand you over to me and I'll strike you down and cut off your head. That's pretty strong words for just a little lad. And it was hot that day, and Goliath, he pulled back his helmet, exposing his face, his forehead. And David was so quick with that sling. He put the stone in the sling, and when he whirled it like this, I can only imagine how fast that stone came at Goliath. It had to be over 100 miles an hour. I mean, that's fast, that's getting it up real fast. And it struck and embedded 
in Saul's forehead. And I don't know if that thing killed him. It may very well have. That was a good-sized stone because he was a giant, of course, and he fell. And when he fell, the earth trembled, and so did all of the Philistine army. Let's take a look at this next picture. Okay. Goliath is not afraid. David's not afraid. His sling goes around and around, and he did exactly what he said he would do. He walked over, on, over to Goliath, and he had defeated Goliath. He took Goliath's sword, and he cut his head off. And, you know, the king had promised many things for the one who would get the victory over Goliath and the Philistines, and one of them was his own daughter in marriage. David didn't like the idea, so someone else got the older daughter. But the younger daughter, I think her name is Michael. She's Michael. Michael, I love David. And so David married Michael. And now he was Saul's son-in-law. You know, I think of many in the Bible that God has led to victory. And this was one of the greatest victories that we find in the Bible. And you know, from time to time, we all have a figurative Goliath in our lives. For some, or for most of it's different. It's different for each one of us. And I say the biggest one is this problem over sin. And the fact that we don't have Jesus as our friend. We need to make Jesus our friend. It needs to be a friendship made in heaven. That is a pretty wonderful story that we, we see regarding David and Goliath. You know, when David was there playing his harp in Saul's palace, the king's palace, Jonathan was there, and it gave these two young men a chance to become friends. Now remember, Jonathan made friends with God. David made friends with God. They made friendship of God in heaven. And now they made friends with each other. These friendships were friendships that were made in heaven. When I say heaven, they were according to God's kingdom principles of righteousness following his commandments. It's not the principles of the world because we know the world is so wrong, so awful. But these men had higher thoughts, higher thoughts, the thoughts that God will give us. You know, I love the story of Jonathan and David. There are many times that Jonathan saved David's life. And he often told David, I will do anything to save your life. Even if I die, I will save you. You are the Lord's anointed. Jonathan wasn't even jealous. He should have been. But why wasn't Jonathan jealous? It's because he had friendships in heaven with Jesus, with God. There was nothing jealous at all about Jonathan. And you know what? I'd like to have Jonathan as a friend. I would really like to have Jonathan as a friend. Who was it that Jonathan saved David from? It was the power and the wickedness of King Saul. 
That was really David's only foe, his only enemy, because the other enemy in battle, he could just wipe out. But it wasn't David. He knew it wasn't himself. He knew it was God that was doing it. You know, Saul planned to kill David over and over and over and over. And here's Jonathan warning David. Saul invited David for dinner in the palace. David didn't want to go because there were times that Saul had tried to kill him. One time when he was playing his harp, when Saul had the headache, Saul woke up, he saw David there, and he goes, I just remembered, I'm mad at you. He grabbed his spear and he threw it so hard. But that spear did not hit David. Why? Because God was there. His friendship made in heaven. It hit the wall, and I think it went halfway into the wall. Saul threw it very hard, but he did not hit David. He did not hit David. David didn't show up for that dinner that Saul had invited him. Jonathan thought, why don't you come? And he goes, no, your father's trying to kill me. And Jonathan, he risked his own life when he spoke with Saul. He said, you're not killing David. He even had Saul make a vow that he would not kill David. How can you trust Saul when he's not been trustworthy? 1 Samuel 18, 1 says, After David had finished talking with Saul, Jonathan became one in spirit with David, and he loved him as himself. Isn't that what Jesus asks us, to do, asks us to do? Jesus says, love one another as I have loved you. That's what he wants all of us to do, is love one another as Jesus loves us. I think Jonathan loved David more than he did himself. You know, Paul writes in the Philippians, I think it's 3 verse 2, that we need to treat our brothers and sisters better than we treat ourselves. That is wonderful, wonderful words in the Bible. Jonathan made a covenant with David because he loved him as himself. Jonathan took off the robe that he was wearing. This was a princely robe that Jonathan wore because after all, he was the prince. He took that robe off, he gave it to David. <coughs> Along with the tunic and his sword his bow with all the arrows and his belt. I would say that Jonathan loved David. He loved David more than life itself. These men, they, they believed God, but yet they were still really not sure about Saul because Saul did some terrible things but this isn't about Saul, it's about Jonathan, it's about David. So that's the next set of texts. For Samuel 20, 16, and 17. 
So Jonathan made a covenant with the house of David. Not just David, but his whole family. He made a covenant. May the Lord call David's enemies to account. And Jonathan had David reaffirm his oath out of love for her, for him, because he loved him as he loved himself. By now we should have no doubt about Jonathan's feelings toward David and David's feelings towards Jonathan. You know, I really, really like this text that I found that uh, we had read earlier. Samuel 20, 42. Yep, that's the one. And or actually 20:42. Samuel, 1 Samuel 20:42. And Jonathan said this to David. You go in peace. Now that means is wherever you go, go in peace. For we have sworn friendship with each other in the name of the Lord. That's made in heaven. Saying this. The Lord is a witness. The Lord is a witness between you and me between your descendants or family to come and my descendants, how long? Forever and ever and ever. Those who I meet now and from now on that are becoming my friends in heaven, I tell them that our friendship is forever. Some of you have heard me say that. Now all of you have that you are all my friends and you are friends made in heaven that will be forever. I have some words to say about friendship. Oh, I would say for the last 15 years, I've had a friend. He's with us no longer. He was my mentor. And anything that I wanted to know spiritually, I asked him. He was one of my best friends, but he still is. I taught the Sabbath school lesson that whole time with him in the front row with his wife. And I asked him almost every Sabbath, hello, my friend. And I asked him if I could call him that because that's his name. You call me friend, I want you to call me by my name. His name was Walter. He loved the stories in the Bible that we studied. One of his favorites was Joshua. This is a man of God, Joshua, strong and mighty valor. He loved to hear the story of Joshua. You know, one of my favorites is in the last chapter of, jo of Joshua. And Joshua says, I challenge all of Israel to make God your God and to follow him no matter what. And he says, choose today who you will follow the God of our enemies or the almighty God. As for me in my house, we will serve him 
from now on forever. Israel did not always keep that promise. I think that Joshua did. And he led his God's people across the Jordan River into the, the promised land of Canaan. I think if I knew Joshua, he'd be my friend. But continuing my story about my friend, he was one of our elders, and everybody looked up to him and listened to him. And I always say, if you're going to follow any person along with God, you follow the follower of Christ. You don't follow someone else. If you see them doing something that is against God's commandments of love, don't follow them. If you have been, then stop it. Stop it. Last year, the end of the year, I was asked to give my friend Walter the eulogy in his memorial service. That was not easy. There were a couple of times that I almost broke out in tears because I mourned my friend as well as we all do. Anyways, we shared promises when I went to visit him. I told him about Joshua. I told him and, and recited his favorite texts. And one of them is, Thou wilt keep him in perfect peace, whose mind is stayed on thee because of the promise, because you believe it. And I know that we'll all have perfect peace when we keep our minds focused on Jesus. Amen. There's a poem, I guess you can call it a poem, about friendships. Don't follow me, I may not lead. Don't go in front of me, I may not follow. But stay beside me and be my friend. That is what I wish for everybody. You don't need to walk in front of or behind. You walk along with. And I know all the friends that I have, they walk beside me. They don't walk behind me. I'm no better. They don't walk in front of me. They're no better. Just walk beside me. Amen. And be my friend. A friendship that is made in heaven. And as the screen tells us, when we make friends with God first, and then God will lead us to the friendships that are made in heaven. You know, I want to also read what's on the board there on the screen. We've all read it. We've all taken a look at it. Good friends care for each other. Is that true? Yes. They care for each other. And one thing we do is we pray for each other. We had prayer for Shalina. And we continue to pray for each other. And we know that with God all things work together for good to those who have made the friendships of God made in heaven. We also have close friends that understand us. Our close friends should understand us. I have a friend that when I'm having problems, after I've taken it to Jesus first, I call my friend. He's a fellow elder. And I'll tell you his name because we ought to call each other by our names. His name is Sean. And I talk to him about everything. 
But before I talk to him, I talk to God. And before I talk to him, I talk to my wife. Believe it. You know, you know. But it says, true friends, they stay by your side how long? Forever. Forever. Beyond words. Sometimes you can sit with your friend and not say a word, and you know that you are friends because you made that friendship in heaven. It's beyond distance. Let me tell you, I feel like there's a distance between my friend Walter and myself. But you know what? When I tell myself that he's fallen asleep in Jesus which I truly believe, he's not that far away because Jesus promises that he is with us always, even until the end of this world. And that, with our last title, is that friends are our friends beyond time. You might say beyond time, meaning until this world ends. But we know that when this world ends, we'll go to the home that is really our home in heaven. And we will live forever. With who? With Jesus. And we have made him our friend first. And it's made in heaven. 